0: What's going on Slip Nation? Welcome to the Slip, an Atlanta sports podcast for the true ATL and I'm the host Brandon Baird. You can follow me on Twitter at Bairdian underscore Slip. We got a lot to get into today. We're going to get into a little bit of Falcons talk. You know, they got a new GM in the works. Um, they hired a new head coach. We're going to talk a little bit about that um, we're going to get into a little bit of braves talk um, there's a lot of movement going on lately um, you know compared to the nothing that happened been going on nothing too much with the braves but definitely some things within the NL East and I'll give you my my thoughts about that and then we do not have any formal final takes um, today but In my final thoughts, um, I will give you my weekend prediction for the divisional round of the NFL. But before I do that, you know, I got to tell you who I'm slipping on. You don't want to piss them off. Here is what he's slipping on. So this week I'm slipping on the NBA. And the reason I'm slipping on the NBA is because what seems to be going on around the NBA Um, in terms of COVID cases, doesn't seem to be getting enough attention within the media, and it doesn't seem like the commissioner, Adam Silver, is giving too much thought about what is actually going on in the NBA. And what made me think about this is because the Atlanta Hawks had their first NBA game of the season postponed. And, you know, other games had been postponed, and it wasn't because of anybody on the Hawks. But since March, last March of 2020, when COVID began and everything shut down and then sports were brought back, no Atlanta team has had any games postponed due to coronavirus. Whether within the team or outside a team, now that does not mean that there have not been players that have um, contracted the virus. It doesn't mean that some, there's some players that may have had to sit out. Of course, Freddie Freeman had to sit out for a little bit. Um, AJ Terrell missed two games um, due to contracting COVID. There's some other players on the Falcons um, that got COVID. You know, there was Tyler Flowers and Travis Darno. Um, that missed the first series of the season due to, um, you know, flu-like symptoms. And we. I think it's safe to say that they were held out because of coronavirus, maybe not because they um, had coronavirus, but because of everything going on around it. Um, so even with all those things, games have not been postponed. Now the difference between the NBA and any other league is that there are of course less players per team. When you think about an NFL team, you have a 53 man active roster. And then you also have about 10 people on the practice squad. When it comes to um when it comes to the MLB, you have a 20 I think this past season had a 26 man roster, but you also had 40 men on the um, at the training site or it was it 60. I can't remember, but you had a group of people on the alternate side that were ready to come in and play just in case there were injuries, just in case there were cases of COVID. And and that is the thing that the NBA does not have. When you think about that, there's 12 people that are on a team. Um, maybe three of them do not play, but most of them throughout the regular season do play. And although there is a G League, and you know, which is like the developmental league, where players do have two-way contracts, there's nothing really set up to bring up those players. And quite frankly, I don't think some of the... Um, teams will want to bring up those players to be facing the actual NBA talent. Um, but there, there's a serious problem going on within the NBA. And the main question that I have to ask is, can they have this season safely? And I think the answer is unequiv- unequivocally Unequivocally, no. They cannot. Now, the U.S., um, when you look at their rate of coronavirus testing, is 7.2%. Now, that is the total confirmed case of coronavirus um, compared to the population of the U.S., going back to when testing first started. So let's look at the NBA. Since January 6th, the rate of of players having to sit out because testing positive coronavirus is 3.2%. That's entirely too high. And what makes me think of this is that They pretend that they can just kind of push through these like the NFL has and the MLB has. And I'm not even saying that it's right that they have pushed through this. But they knew that these were the risks that were taken just as college football knew the risks that they were taking when doing this. And what these leagues have done is accepted that people are going to test positive for the coronavirus. The only league that is not taking that risk has been the NHL who said we're going to set up bubbles because that's the safest thing to do. And I'm not sure how much other leagues have explored that. Of course, I don't have that insider information, but it doesn't seem like these other teams has given enough thought to how they can keep these people safe. I think that people think that is just OK that if you get coronavirus that you're just going to come back. And we have seen that even with NFL players, that's just not the case. You look at um, a guy, um, the defensive end out of Cleveland, who got coronavirus. And ever since he came back from that, he really has not been himself. And just to have that ignorance about, let's just keep moving on, it's just not going to work out. And until vaccines can be had to make it even a little bit more safe, I don't understand why the NBA keeps trying to push through this thing without having a bubble. Because that is the only way that they're going to be able to do this. And you see this and players have been coming out and talking about this a little bit. Um, You you get a guy like George Hill who's come out and said, hey, I'm going to go visit my family. Um, He's essentially saying, I'm a grown man and I'm going to do what I want to do. And now I don't think that is the most mature thing to say. But then he followed up with something that is a little bit more damning, which I completely agree with. And this is what he said If it's that serious, if it's that serious, we shouldn't be playing. And what Adam Silver. And the rest of the commissioner's office really need to consider is that if coronavirus is that serious, which it is, they don't need to be playing without a bubble. And then you get people like Carl Anthony Towns, who has had multiple family members die of coronavirus. And he recently just tested positive for coronavirus as well and this is what he said on on his twitter prior to tonight's game i received yet another awful call that i tested positive for covid i will immediately isolate and follow every protocol i pray every day that this nightmare of a virus will subside and i beg everyone continue to take it seriously by taking all the necessary precautions We cannot stop the spread of this virus alone. And it must be a group effort by all of us. And the saddest part about that is that he has had so many close family members die of this. Just as so many Americans have had family members die of this virus. And it doesn't seem like the NBA is taking it serious serious enough. Because if they were actually taking it serious... Then they would do something like create a bubble or multiple bubbles so that these players can play safely. Otherwise, they shouldn't be playing at all. When the NBA first came back and they had a bubble, they were leaders. And ever since they came on to this new season, the 2020 to 2021 season, they have now become followers following into the poor footsteps that did not seem effective that the NFL and the MLB had. You're listening to the slip of Brandon Baird. Alright party people, it's time to get into a little bit of Falcon's talk. And of course, this is the time where it's the off season. It's possibly the greatest time in the season because you're rebuilding your team. You know, you're thinking next year is gonna be the year. Everybody's happy. There is no way to lose the off season. There really isn't. I mean, of course, there could be moves that can't, that maybe should have been made that you wish had been made, but that's not losing the off season. Because the off season is the time. For renewed spirits, and that's what I'm going to be doing because the Falcons have done just that and they have renewed my spirits. I'm coming in a little bit more logical, even more logical than I had before. Um, because the Falcons are on the pathway to getting a new GM and they have already hired their head coach. Now, the Falcons are expected. To be hiring uh, Terry Fontenot, the director of pro scouting, from the Saints. And I absolutely love this hire. Because he has been with the Saints since 2008. And he started out as a a scouting intern and then he continued to work his way. I, I personally love those stories of when someone comes into an organization... Um, from the bottom and then start building their their way up. And that's exactly what he has done. And if you look at what the Saints have done in terms of scouting and building up their offense, in terms of the weapons that they have from Alvin Kamara to Michael Thomas, even though Michael Thomas is not as good as some people think he is. Um, But then when you look at the defensive side, when they were a team... That was um, in the bottom third of the bottom third of the league um, in 2016. When you look at what they were then, and then you look at what their defense looks like now, and a defense that has terrorized the Falcons over the past two seasons, and giving up so many sacks per game that it's absolutely ridiculous. That this gives me hope that they'll be able to build through the draft and build that defense through the draft so that you aren't trying to go out and thinking that you're a piece away like Dimitrov has been doing for the past three seasons. Because that's the thing. The Falcons are not a piece away. And, you know, another thing that I feel like Terry Fontenot will also be able to do is that he'll be able to handle the t- a tough cap situation. The Saints have been in cap hell for the past five seasons, and they somehow, every single season, seem to be able to add a piece or two that actually helps their team out. And I think that with that kind of knowledge and that kind of experience and being around the people um, that where the Saints were actually able to do that, that I do think that that is going to bode well for the Falcons. Now, this hiring has not been official because the Saints are, of course, still in the playoffs. Um, Now, once the Saints are out of the playoffs, the Falcons and Terry Fontenot can make it official. Or if the Saints grant Terry Fontenot permission to sign with other teams, then that can happen. But honestly, it's the Saints. They're a bunch of bums. They're a bunch of knuckleheads. I don't see them granting permission to their arch rival. I mean, I just don't see it. So we're going to have to wait to when the Saints are out of the playoffs. And, you know, we'll, we'll see when that is. Now, what the Falcons were able to do is hire their head coach. And they hired Arthur Smith, who was the offensive coordinator for the Titans. And I think this is a great hire. Now, I think y'all already know my thoughts that I wish they would have signed Eric bien Um I think that he is the offensive mind um, that is what we are looking for within the Falcons. He's, he's a, he is a guy that runs the West Coast offense and has learned from Andy Reid. But we also have to look at Arthur Smith and say, hey, this is a guy that is a very good hire too. He does run the West Coast offense. Um, It's that Shanahan style of offense. It's that Sean McVay um, style of offense. And for the Titans over the past two seasons when Arthur Smith had taken over the play calling and been doing his thing, it has been really working out well. I mean, you look at any person that is able to take Ryan Tannehill who we didn't know he was good or bad in Miami. He was definitely average at best. To a guy who is almost on the precipice of being a MVP guy, who definitely should be considerations, although I do think there are other people that have played better than him, but to even be considered that, like, hey, in any other year, that is a guy who could win the MVP? And if you if you see that kind of guy, how can you be mad about this hire? Because this is someone who can come in with the personnel that the Falcons already have, who that was successful under Shanahan, and start using those principles, start using the play action more, which Matt Ryan succeeds so much over. But let's talk about what. Arthur Smith has done this past year with Ryan Tannehill for the Titans when he was offensive coordinator. Had the fourth best scoring offense in the league. One of the Falcons' weaknesses has been one of their strengths as they had the number one red zone efficiency grade. And when you look at the production and the effectiveness of Um, per play they were second in yards per play I think this is a guy who can take the Falcons offense which has a ton of talent and has been underperforming on that talent for the past three seasons I think that Arthur Smith will be able to use the players that he has as even more players are starting to come into their own aka Calvin Ridley and be able to help them perform to their potential. And what this hiring also does, because of course Arthur Smith is a offensive mind. He also does have some defensive chops as well as he came into the league. Um, you know, with some assistant defensive coaching jobs. You know, like the secondary and and, um, and things like that. But he's going to bring in a guy who's going to let him or her honestly control the whole defense and that is what i love you focus on what you're good at and what you need to do and you let someone else do what they do best which is focus on the defense don't try to do too much of course the head coach has to be a guy of many hats but if that person is able to come in and say you focus on the defense, I'm gonna focus on the offense, and we're gonna do this thing together as we build through the draft. I think this is the road that the Falcons need to be on as an organization. This is a new era. We need to stop thinking that we are, you know, one win away from the playoffs. We are not a seven and nine team. We are not an eight and eight team. We are not one piece away from the playoffs. And we sure as hell are not one piece away from the Super Bowl. With this new era, I hope that the people that we have brought in understand that we need to build up this team, although we have some great pieces to work around, at least for the next two years. Like a Matt Ryan, like a Julio Jones. That we can come in and be a competitive team, but we are definitely not one win away. We need to have a patient approach so that we start making smart moves that don't just look at the next season and say it's the one. It's always the season, the next season in NFL. But if you want sustained success to where you're able to go, From a team in 2016 that had a lot of great rookies come in and go to the Super Bowl and then slowly decline to a team that's picking fourth overall in the NFL draft. Then you need to have that pace and approach so that the potential of this team can actually come to fruition. You're listening to The Slip with Brandon Baird. All right, Slip Nation, welcome back to the Slip. It's time to get into a little bit of Braves talk, and it's been a while since we had a little Braves talk because there really hasn't been anything to talk about. Um, You know, there really hasn't been any news. I mean, I think the one thing that we are still waiting on is Azuna news, um, which you know my thoughts, that I don't care if there's a DH or not. They need that man in the lineup. Um. But the thing is, the reason why I want to go into a little bit of Braves talk is because there's been a lot of movement around the NL East. And I want to let y'all know if it's actually going to shake some things up. I think it's going to shake some things up. But I don't think it's going to be enough to actually dethrone the Falcons as the reigning three-time division NL East division champions Um, You see that the Nationals have made some moves that um, You know, they have signed Kyle Schwarber. They have traded for Josh Bell And I think those are pretty good moves. Um, Those are guys who can um, bring some some power bats and can stabilize that lineup a little bit that is already pretty good Excuse me, I had something in my throat. Um, That is already pretty good with a Soto and a Trey Turner. And they do have pieces um, that they're pretty good. And of course, you cannot count out the Nationals pitching staff. Now, that's going to be a good team. Um, So they got a little bit better. But the pieces that they added are also coming off of mediocre seasons. Those are not pieces that are guaranteed to actually do some damage um you know i think they are kind of shots in the dark on what could happen i do think they are good shots for them but you know it that's a way to see um what they can do and then you got the phillies over here bolstering their bullpen as they signed archie bradley to a three-year deal um that's a team that definitely needs Um, some bullpen help and they you know made some moves last year but it's a little too late their offense is a little too bad um, and a little too inconsistent Um, and they also don't know if Real Muto is going to be back they did offer him a hundred million dollars for over five years but you know we have yet to see if he actually wants to be back with the Phillies so who knows where the Philly situation is going to be. And if they lose Real Muto, I don't think Bryce Harper is the player that is just going to be able to carry a team. Um, you know, he's not even a top four outfielder in the National League anymore. Now, that's not saying he's a bad player, but but you... But, you know, you get a guy like Mike Trout, who is one of the best players, if not the best player in the league, and he can't carry a team to the playoffs, even in a 60-game season, with expanded playoffs, I don't think Bryce Harper is going to be able to do that either. So that Real Muto is going to be a big shot. Those question marks are reasons why they probably will not be able to throw the Braves and then the biggest news over this past week is that Lindor has finally been traded to the Mets and I think that is some move that everybody had been waiting for um the Mets also got Carlos Carrasco in that trade so stabilize that starting rotation a little bit where they have of course Jacob deGrom the reigning Cy Young um as well as Carlos Carrasco, you know, Noah Syndergaard. Um, they just agreed in arbit- uh, with an arbitration, um, with a deal to avoid arbitration, excuse me. Um, so, like, they have pieces, but they've been so inconsistent and hurt that who knows what the Mets are going to be able to do. Now, Francisco Lindor is a great piece to have. However, the Mets, just like every other NL East team that's not the Braves, have a lot of question marks. Like, who else is going to be there to help Francisco Lindor? I think you can say that Pete Alonso can have a a bounce-back season, but maybe not. Who knows? He looked bad last year. After leading the national league and home runs in his rookie season he took a tremendous step back and once again it's a 60 game season maybe he would have been able to regain some of that but like he wasn't even an average player last year he looked lost they do have michael conforto who has been up and down um, they do have Dominique Smith who looked pretty good. They have that other guy that I can't remember his name who was able to provide some pop. But when you think about them as a group, you know how I talked about LeBron when he was in Cleveland. It's going to be Francisco Lindor and the Badabinks. That's what I see with him. It's just going to be Francisco Lindor and the Bada Binks. Chasing after the New York crown, which they will never be able to take from the Yankees. And they sure as hell aren't gonna be able to take that crown from the Braves. And now another part of that is that the Mets kind of mortgage their future with that Lindor trade. And they don't know if they're actually gonna bring him back. Now I don't know how you don't how you make that trade without any guarantee. Although how illegal that actually is to have a guarantee in those kinds of situations. You don't make that trade unless there's a guarantee. But we'll have to wait to see if they're actually going to get them long term. But like, so what if they made that trade? Is that trade going to make them good enough to actually challenge the Braves this season? I don't know. Like, I just don't see it. I I don't see how... Lindor added on to the players that they already have are going to put them over the top. And that's what they need. And that top is currently the Braves who haven't really added anybody. They're waiting on what they're going to do with Ozuna and possibly what they're going to do at third base, even though they, I do think they're going to have Austin Riley going into the season as they're starting third base. And I hope that Ozuna, whether he's the DH or not, He's going to be in that position. But when you look at everybody else, you just see them getting better. You're going to see Albies getting better and healthy. You're going to see Okuna, who with the Zips projections, is projected to get a 50-50 season, meaning 50 home runs, 50 stolen bases. And I think that definitely is possible to have the 50 home runs now, I don't know about the 50 stolen bases because they're going to be trying to go out and gun after him. They're not going to give him those bases as easy as they did when he um, had the 40-40 season. But Okunia is going to get better. Freddie Freeman is the reigning MVP. He is someone who has shown, when healthy, inconsistent. He is one of the best hitters in the league. Dansby Swanson, I think you can see him take the step last year. Now let's see if he's going to be a little bit more consistent. And you you compare all those pieces and then the rotation that the Braves are going to have, we're freed. It's going to get better. You're going to have Soroka coming back. You have Charlie Morton at the end of the rotation. You have Ian Anderson coming into his first full-time season after looking great. And then you who knows who else is gonna be there. You know, are you gonna be are you gonna depend on a Kyle Wright? Are you gonna depend on a Bryce Wilson? Who both of them showed that they can possibly be dependable starters. They seem to have figured something out when they were at that alternate site last season. There's so much optimism about how the Braves are going to get better. Because even in the 60-game season, they 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 won a division with a terrible rotation. And I say a terrible rotation because for most of the season, you could only depend on one guy. It, especially after Soroka went down with his Achilles injury. You're throwing out guys who are giving up five runs an inning couldn't even throw over 90 now, you know. That I'm not saying that you got to throw 100 to be successful, but you know, the, you, they 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 were not in their spots well enough to be throwing 89 in the big leagues. This Atlanta Braves team is only going to get better. And they're going to be led by that guy Okuna, who has the highest outfield zips projection. Above Juan Soto, above Mookie Betts, and above Mike Trout. And it's because of all the things that he does with his speed. With, with the possibilities of those stolen bases. With the possibility of the power that he has. As he only continues to grow. Okuna is not even close to his prime yet. And that's a scary thought to have so you you're telling me these little dinks and dunks that are going around the NL East to try to bolster that team when the Braves had not even finished what their offseason goals were and solidified as that team is expected to get a lot better which I don't think you can really depend on with some of these other teams where they're dependent on some older people. So when you, when you come to me saying, Oh, we got Josh Bell. Oh, we got Francisco Lindor. We got Carlos Carrasca. I don't care. You still aren't going to be enough for this Braves team that is young, talented, in getting better every single season. This is the slip with Brandon Baird. All right, so I'm gonna try to do a little something new, um, I, just something a little bit more fun to keep the uh, slip nation engaged. Is I'm gonna start making some predictions. I don't think there is any better time to make predictions um, going forward, and I'm gonna keep a spreadsheet of all my predictions, and it's gonna be a rolling tally of um what i get right what i get wrong um so it's going to be pretty exciting and this is how i'm going to do it um i'm going to let you know if i'm going to be doing it straight up or if i'm going to be doing it against the spread i think with maryland um you know the sports betting is is becoming has become legalized that's been voted in I mean, you know, once they figure out where those taxes are going to go to, that you'll be able to actually bet on sports in Maryland, Um, where I'm at, of course, Georgia is probably on the way there as well, but I I think it'll be just a fun thing to keep um, a tally of, and um, this is why I'm going to start with going um, the NFL predictions for this week. Now, the first two games on today, which I'm recording, which is Saturday, um, you got the Packers versus the Rams, and then the Ravens versus the Bills. Um, in those two games, I got the Packers over the Rams, and the Ravens over the Bills. And the two games tomorrow will be the Buccaneers versus the Saints, and the Chiefs versus the Browns. I have the Bucks over the Saints, And the Chiefs over the Browns. So what I'm actually doing is I got two underdogs going there um, with the Bucks and the Ravens winning. um, And then the number one seeds winning out too. So um, next week I will make sure I have a segment of my predictions to review. And then I'll drop some more segments. Um, And I think with games like this, it will definitely be fun. But this has been The Slip, an Atlanta sports podcast for the true ATLian. I'm the host, Brandon Baird. You can follow me on Twitter at Bairdian underscore slip. You can find this podcast on SoundCloud. You can find it on Apple Podcasts. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Stitcher. Um, Let me know if there's another avenue where you want. Please subscribe. Please rate. Please follow, please review. All those things help me out. And I appreciate you listening. And I'll talk to y'all next week, Slip Nation. Peace.